relationship? Yeah, I think it's just. I can't remember what we called it. Yeah, it's the Mm-hmm. Just knowing God, right? Just establishing that there's a higher bar for relationship with God, um, which is knowing Him and you know, really living and speaking with him in a dialogical kind of relationship. Um, as a matter of fact, that's Jesus died so that we could have access to God and um, not just a running tab on forgiveness. Right. Um, then we moved on and we started talking about one of the ways that we relate to God um, and communicate. How do you communicate with the God of the universe? Yeah, you praise him. That's what you do, you know. And so uh, we're probably not having a very strong um, dialogical relationship if um, there's not a lot of praise there. Um, so we want to we wanna have praise language um, that we grow in and that we develop and we feel more comfortable. I was just doing some marriage counseling, and one of the things that, yeah, me? Yeah. Uh, what's your charge look like on your device here? This one? Mm-mm. Oh. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, one of the things that becomes really hard in marriages is kind of encouraging one another. I guess you start, start assuming that, oh, yeah, they know I love them. Mm, no. And I think sometimes we assume that way. The thing about God, too, is like, oh, yeah, he knows, he knows I love him and I appreciate him. Okay. All right. So, uh, say that. Um, so, yeah, we just talked about adding praise. Then we went to. Yeah, seeking the Lord, man. Um, does everybody seek the Lord all the time? No, why not? And what would you, if somebody walked up, it's like, man, what, is it, what does it mean to seek the Lord? You would say, and you don't have to give them the, the scripted answer. Just what would you say? Somebody started reading the Psalter. Somebody started reading Old Testament. They started reading... Uh, um, what's a famous seeking the Lord? Colossians 3, you know, seek those things which are above. Like, what would you, like, what does that even mean? Uh, to be intentional about, like, spending time in the Word and doing things that why you Yeah. But Taylor, God's omnipresent. So God is always beautiful. He's always great and he's always valuable beyond all measure. But we don't always feel that. Right. Um, And has it been because he's become less valuable and great and beautiful? Something's distracting us. Thank you, baby. Something that's distracting us from seeing that. And so it's the intentionality about moving those distractions out of our way, doing those things that make us appreciate God more. You know, what are those things? What are those songs? What are those activities? Um, and getting into it. Then we move from there to intercession, um, which is really good. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Um, so there uh, to intercession. Um, and now we are, I think intercession is probably the form of prayer that people are most aware of. I think it's the one they think of. Hey, let's go pray. All right, let's go intercede. Let's go pray for or on the behalf of someone, which is completely accurate. And praise God, at least I think we have that. But I think intercession is also one of those things, too, where I guess sometimes we we 
we there can really be a, an, uh, we lack the um, intentionality behind that too, and maybe even just the, I think um, maybe the structure is helpful. I think honestly studying for it that was most helpful for me as I thought about last week and I thought about the the early church and how they the rhythms that they created, especially was that Second Timothy or First Timothy two. Pray for all people in the nations and the kings and all that. They had a structure. It's like, man, at least we know we got to be praying for these kind of people all the time. And that's just a, a really helpful way to think through it. And not just, you know, hey, Lord, help them over there. But, man, I think good intercessors, can they're compassionate. That's why Jesus, who is now doing what for us? He's right now, man, I think he can feel it, man. He feels those pains, as Hebrew says. He's able to sympathize, and I think that's um, what good intercessors do is they're able to, to sit in it, man. That's why I can pray for Ukrainian mothers, and I ain't seen not nail one of them because of how I can I sit long enough to feel the pain for them until I weep for them, until I be willing to fast for these people who I don't even know. Um, you know, that's where we want to get at. So when you think about... Um, seeking God both as a lifestyle, but then um, corporately in how we kind of need to set atmospheres that are conducive for God to do cool things. What's the one place that I really want to encourage us to do that at the Ave? This is a real, real space in our rhythm. What time would it be? I... Yeah, I was Sundays, Sundays at 4.30. No, you need to go and um, see mommy. All right. She's, tell, her, tell her she's with Kathleen and Zach and tell her it's time to go. <laughs> Sunday at 4.30, I need y'all. I need you. I really do. That is before our worship service. Um, we're trying to get establish a culture that when our people walk in, it's, we're here to meet with God. Like we had 170 plus other hours of the week to, to say what's up to you, to text you, to see what, we ain't doing that right now. There's not time for that right now. That doesn't mean if our long lost person we never seen the whole week, we wouldn't love them and greet them, fall on their neck and kiss them. But for the most part, we got access to each other. Now why you got to make it right here that we got to catch up? No, I don't believe that. Let's not do that, right? What, what our friends most need to see, what we most need to see is we need to be refreshed in his presence. We need to get a fresh vision of him. So let's, let's set an atmosphere and a tone um, for God to be here, right? Um, when you, um, right now, not as if it's the only time we intercede, but is there a time where we traditionally intercede for our people corporately? What do you say, Coach? Yeah, now. I would say in the designated time slot for us right now would be Wednesdays at 6 a.m. So if you have time, you don't, I'm not, we don't mandate that. I'm just saying that's available for you. Wednesdays at 6 in the morning. It's a group of us, probably about five, six of us, you know, uh, come in. And that's not the time that we do a whole lot else, though we do include how can we be praying for you. That's not the focus. The main focus is like intercession for our world for our neighborhood, for our city, um, for our church. We intercede, we pray on the behalf of other folks. Um, but just so you know, that's, that's a rhythm for you. Now, what is any, <laughs> anybody see the title for this, um, 
this study today? Deliverance. Deliverance. What does that sound like? <laughs> yeah, we about to sound a little scary. Um, you can, yeah. Um, what I'm trying to get, we need some more? Yeah. Let's see, I got some more. Um, we should, we should. And Doug, there should be more on the printer too, Douglas, if, if that's not enough. You sure? Um, Doug, Doug, I might have printed more. They're still just sitting on the printer. Thank you, brother. Oh, man. Um, so if you notice probably pretty early at the AV, uh, one of the things that I really value very highly is praying for our people. Uh, why else are we there if we can't be with you and sit with you and lay hands on you? To me, that, and honestly, I love your auntie who visited from Omaha. But, um, you know, just ask my forgiveness that I'm not traditionally in the pastor spot shaking hands at the, in the service. God bless you. I just, this is a personal conviction. I just feel like, hey, man, if our people are hurting, I want to be with them, praying with them. Um, thank you, love. Mm -hmm. So um, we value that. However, um, I'm sure you see we worship during that time. We allow people to come up and hurt, uh, hurt during that time or pray or praise. Um, and I want to help you understand a little bit more about what that time's about and what I hope to accomplish during those times and to help you in your personal life um, know how to move in that kind of space when the time and the duty calls. And so the best thing I could just call is deliverance. Uh, somebody read that first um, uh, statement there for us real quick. Hey, y'all, just want to set the framework. Now, I know um, we, once again, you, you have to hear my heart on this. It's like, I am so thankful for the, the advancements. I believe if anything is true in this world, it has come from God. And so every advancement in mental health community, every, I see a therapist at least 18 to 10 times a year. Um, so I never want to ever get y'all to feel or hear me say like I'm at war against those types of things or advancements or any of that. I just believe that the church is something uh, unique. It's just unique. And I want to make sure we don't conflate the things. Um, and I want to make sure that the church doesn't lose its uniqueness. And I believe that the church is a spiritual community and organism that w as the buffet of problems that are being presented in this world, um, where there are scientific and natural um, and sociological and anthropological solutions that all it, it does not take the spirit of God to come up with those solutions. That the church offers spiritual solutions to the brokenness of this world. I don't want you to ever lose heart and stop believing that. that that's what the Bible is telling us, right? That every solution that the Bible offers or puts forward before its people are things that cannot be humanly contrived and engineered. They're all spiritual. How are you gonna get your debts paid for and your sins paid for? 
we actually believe that a 33-year-old man died and his blood is propitiation for millions of people who've gone before and after him. That is spiritual, y'all. That's spiritual mumbo jumbo. And it takes faith to believe that. And it takes faith to believe all the other stuff. And so on account of that central thing that we believe, we believe that, you know, that, 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 that lamb and lion also offers some really other cool things too. Here's the thing. We're a Presbyterian church. We are um, orthodox in, in our theology. Um, we are... Um, very much, um, we have, Presbyterians have a very intellectual and heady heritage. Um, that's just the way it's been. You ain't going to hear, um, uh, though I would say, you know, and gosh, Edwards, is Edwards a Presbyterian or a Baptist? Somebody fact check for us. But um, Jonathan Edwards? Though, honestly, those great awakenings and revivals of the 18th century, there's a whole lot of Holy Spirit moving in them things. And there's a whole lot of different kind of brothers um, doing it. But um, all that being said, um, this Presbyterian church, we, we not discounting that power. And as a matter of fact, we need the power. Everything that Jesus got in his tool set to, to reach the world, we need. How are people going to go ye therefore into all the nations? How, how are they going to do it? How are they going to make disciples, y'all? How are they going to baptize them? I'm asking. Tell me how they're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, and how else? Yes, and, and keep reading. Go further. Give me some acts. They're in the upper room. Yeah, y'all wait. Here's the commission. Now wait until you go. Isn't that what it said? He said, y'all go up there and wait until what happens? You can't fulfill the Great Commission without the power of the Holy Spirit. Can't happen, won't happen. Can we just acknowledge we need it? God, if you want us to be any kind of anything over here or anywhere, we need your power. Nobody signed up this thing for human ingenuity. So with all that being said. Yeah, the Puritans preferred Presbyterian politics. Ooh, polity. Oh, mm -hmm. check it out. So. So <laughs> all, all that to say, I'm going to be honest with you all. Somebody asked me, Emma, are you in a um, Bible study with Becca? Somebody in a Bible study with Becca Sloan. But anyway, no. sorry. But, but um, yeah, they, they're, they're doing some, some study and they were like, man, PT, uh, you know, we've, we've read about God the Father. We've done a lot of work on Christology and the work of the Son. We can't find a whole lot of stuff on uh, the spirit and pneumatology. Yeah, it's the forgotten member of the Trinity. Nobody ever liked to talk about the Spirit. We can't figure out what he do or how he work. So I would just say what I told her is this, is like, man, if you ever um, just are struggling, like, man, I want to find faithful stuff on the Holy Spirit um, that's doing more than just telling me about him, but helping me understand how to move and the power and whatever, man, let me know. We'll send resources. But also, I do feel like you all are now sound enough in the theology, you know, when you're hearing somebody and something that's telling you um, that salvation is not by grace through faith. You know, when you're hearing uh, something or somebody that is stripping God of his his power and his omnipotence, you know. So I would say I just man, if you if you are moving and are curious, I think you 
could move in and start stretching yourself into certain different theological camps that you weren't used to or weren't raised in or didn't come from and learn how to chew the meat and spit out the bones. Because I do believe there's some brothers and sisters who have some things to offer. And so as I was trying to figure out, man, what approach, how I was going to come in this time to really help us understand what we do, especially after service, um, I had to go back in my charismatic closet. Bang! And give you some <laughs> biblical healing and some, some traumatic experiences here. But, uh, which, is, which is so funny, which in a lot of... I, I, in a lot of ways, me and Gina have been, in, uh, you know, we've encountered some user error. Um, but, um, man, I, I was really blessed this week because I found a whole lot of faithful things that I think um, you'll find faithful, too. So um, if you want the book, you can uh, come holler at me later and we can we can figure out. But let's let's just talk about that time of ministry after service is usually I'm especially keen on people who are coming up to us with unique circumstances, unique pains, trials, and tribulations, and right then and there, hey, they need ministry. They need uh, the body of Christ to be there for and support them with spiritual uh, solutions and remind them of spiritual truth. Um, this book really just kind of puts forward this, what they call an integrated approach to their deliverance time or their healing time. Um, and, and, and these are kind of like the four areas that they kind of focus on. So sins of the fathers kind of resulting in curses, ungodly beliefs, soul, soul spirits, hurts, demonic oppression. Um, it's funny because I think if you were to take this and, and, and use, um, you know, really some counseling language, I think you, you kind of be really synonymous. They just kind of reframe it in, in, in kind of different ways. And so uh, first thing first is they kind of just put forward um, uh, this idea about forgiveness and um, us just being really keen on it, um, that really um, one of the primary roadblocks to a believer walking and healing is um, kind of threefold, um, re refusing um, to accept um, or reach out for God to forgive them, acknowledging. So really, um, unrepentance, right? And so not receiving the, the forgiveness of God vertically. Um, uh, there's usually soul hurts that don't allow you to forgive other people, which would block, um, you know, really healing um, and that abundant life from coming and flowing in and through you. And then lastly, not receiving forgiveness for yourself. Um, we've encountered this a whole lot, um, is that there's a lot of, um, especially in this day and age, there's just a, a lot of our brothers and sisters who are walking around, who are, in, who are carrying around an incredible amount of shame. Um, so they refuse to accept God's forgiveness for them, you know. Um, and so um, forgiveness kind of being a, a big thing. So I would just offer that. First, by saying, um, just keep that in the back of your head. There's also a sweet prayer, um, especially as you're encountering brothers and sisters um, who are um, um, being oppressed, right? I, I'm probably going to introduce a whole lot of new language to you. Um, but essentially, you know, when we see people who are come, PT, I need prayer. PT, I'm counseling. Let's talk. Um, th these are 
people who, for whatever reason and season, there's just a stronghold over their life right now. It's just binding them and just kind of keeping them. And so one of the things you might want to start with if you're trying to minister to a person. So let me just help you. There's times when I am counseling people and I'm just offering wisdom. And then there's times where that conversation shifts and I'm just like, I'm ministering to you. <laughs> you are getting a private sermon and you are getting a private uh, offering of what I consider to be the spiritual resources that Christ have. I think you need to know when it's time to do one or the other. Right. There's times where we need to sit and we're just help. I'm trying to help you process. But then there's times where you have to put on your spiritual clerical collar and go to work. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You have to take the authority given to you, us being now, 1 Peter 2 and 9, the priesthood of all believers. Now, all the that's the great commission. All authority has been given to me. It's, I'm passing it to you, and now you have to move in authority. It's like as a child of God, one who has been blood-bought and been given God's spirit, now it's my time. I need to minister to my other brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't need to help them kind of see things as much. I need to declare things over them. I need to remind them of God's truth. I need to bind up things spiritually for them. I got to start going to work, right? That makes sense? So we got, we, we got a lot of people who like talking to people. Sometimes you got to switch gears. You're like, uh-uh, talking is done. Now let me just, I got to minister. We got to go to work, right? So one of the things I think you just be keen on is as you start ministering to people individually, is this a situation where we need to um, really do for some forgiveness work first? First, repentance, forgiving other people. You're holding on to bitterness and might be blocking. You know, we know that. Oh, God, is that first Peter that um, God will not hear the prayers of the spouse if he's maintaining bitterness with with the uh, uh, with the wife. Right. So we know that that unforgiveness is a blockade. Right. And so maybe we got to get it right. And then obviously being really keen on shame and really helping that person to understand um, um, that God has truly forgiven them. And if God has forgiven them. And they need to forgive themselves. All right. So here, let's get to the fun, fun, fun parts. When, when we do ministry, some if it helps you delineate, if there's difference between sometimes I think you got to treat it differently. If people are coming and it's, you know, kind of it, you know, it's it's boom, it's in your face. It's happening right now. It's right after service and it's kind of quick. You don't have the space to have really long kind of conversations, but you got to just kind of. You got to move quick and you got to just pray and get in. And I think there's a certain way you kind of handle that. But then there's a certain way, like if I had time and we sat with you and we're doing coffee, you have a lot more time to, I can do a lot more background and, and all that kind of stuff. And I can unpack some, some stuff at greater detail than sometimes I just have to act quickly, right? Um, and so I think sins of the father and resulting curses, those are kind of things that you probably are at a better advantage of if you are in coffee or in, in private time, you got more time. Um, it's probably not something you could do a whole lot at the altar. It's like, now tell me where you come from. <laughs> but to put this in counseling language and to make this less spooky, you know what this is, y'all? What this sins of the father business and all that jazz? 
how would you put it in maybe layman's term or today's term? It's just your family of origin stuff. It's just, it's your family origin stuff, where you kind of come from. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. Gina and I come from a place where, you know, you know, spiritual curses and DNA is passed forward. Um, I should be honest with you. I cannot refute that. I don't stand on the hill and I don't bang the tables like, yeah, I know the reason why you act the way is because you got spiritually degenerative DNA passed on. Though, isn't that biblical? <laughs> it just sounds a whole lot biblical. It's like, we all saw video. We all say we're born in iniquity, but we don't flesh it all out. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, I don't act the way I act because I was born in iniquity and because it could have got passed on. So I probably lean a little bit in that direction, but it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, I think what, what I can emphatically say from the Bible, and I think I can take you to at least six scriptures to at least prove the pattern, is that, um, somebody read that sentence, there seems to be. I think that's clearly biblical, would you agree? I think it's even sociological, right? Um, so, um, you no need to, somebody read whether you believe that something, read that one. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Those verses, Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, this is that language of Jesus saying, hey, you know, I, you know, remember sins to the fourth and about generations, right? And I forgive to the, you know, those kind of generations. Um, I, I think, once again, whether you just, you don't, you're, you're super cessational and you don't believe in spiritual DNA and all that kind of stuff, you still believe that, oh, the reason why you know, and it's even proven like, hey, the reason why kids are so negative and nasty to each other by the time they get into fifth grade is because if they've only heard 10,000 words from age zero to three and 80 percent of them are negative, what happens when they get to be six years old? They speak negative words. So whether you believe it's nurtured or spiritually passed down, we believe those things form strongholds. Right. Go ahead, Emma. Yeah. Proven that trauma experienced by your parents or grandparents does get passed on to you genetically. Mm, I think mm, the study mm. on, I think Dutch families, uh, mothers who during World War II starved, and then it was like their kids and their grandkids had higher rates of, I think, anxiety, depression, other mental illnesses because trauma and things you experience impacts the way your genes like turn on and off. It helps parents. Yeah. So like. There is a level to which, which could, what George was talking about on the other side, the importance of narrative, but just the idea of like cultural trauma as well, is that things mm. are handed down from mm. parents to parents. Mm. It's pretty well established. Mm. Genetically, sociologically now. Yeah, that's, that's wild. So that's one area of focus. And I think, especially if we have extended time in ministry as we ministering to people, pause and start asking questions man tell me about mom tell me about dad tell me about where you come from what are, what are the wounds that you kind of carry in all right it's going to ungodly beliefs somebody read the little nugget under ungodly beliefs
these are, you know, you need, this is where you got to put your spiritual antennas up. So it's like, you know, one of the things I've been experiencing, John, he's here, he could co-sign it. My little, my little Bad News Bears basketball team, um, we, um, we're undefeated. Me and Thea's team is undefeated. But um, we seem to, no, we didn't. Oh, we did. We lost one at the buzzer. It was wild. Oh, it's crazy. Tell you another time. But, um, yeah, but we, we should have won. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Well, you know, one of the things, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Jefferson knows this too. Like, one of the things that um, we notice is like, man, we didn't play four weeks, and it's been four almost fights every week. It's like. And I remember talking to uh, one of my one of my kids, and it's just like, man, can we just come here and hoop and go home one week? And she was like, nope, <laughs> because there is there is an ungodly G code that they subscribe to, and there is, um, I mean, they I, they love us. I walk in that gym and they light up and they hug Pastor Tim and they play and, they, and it's so cool. And then if you ask them, it's like, man, don't, don't retaliate. You don't have to respond back to that. I mean, and they will look as calm and as loving as possible. Pastor Tim, I got to get him. Not, there's just no other way. I have to get him back. It's just, that's what we live by over here, you know? And it's like, I love you, Pastor Tim. I really do. But I got to follow through on that. And so that's, a, that's an example of ungodly beliefs that are really become patterns and rules by which you live your life. But you hear them all over the place. And you could, they can be, hey, man, you know, every time I try something, it's no use. It'll never work. You know what I'm saying? Or I'll always be this and never be that. You, you can start to detect those things and you got to be on alert for when you're hearing them. Sometimes when you're in fast moving ministry, you have got to speak prophetically about stuff as you hear the issue. It's like, man, pastor didn't pray for me. You know, I've just been struggling in my singleness. Bang. You got to have the Rolodex of lies that are usually associated with singleness. And I'm just about to go ham on all of them. Nobody for me. I'm not valuable. Nobody will ever find me attractive. It's a lie. I'm supposed to be married by this age. It's a lie. I got to have it in my bank to know how to, to bust it up. I think this is kind of understanding when Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 is saying, hey, I'm going to become all things to all men in order that I might win some. I think what Paul is saying, I have become such an anthropological student. I understand man and how the heart works. I understand the things of my day. I'm not a Christian sectarian. I try to sit with people and understand and listen to story and listen to narrative so I can apply the gospel to whole of it. Come on, jock. I know how to I know how to talk to you. Come on, womanizer. I know how to talk to you. Come on, bulimic person. I know, I know, I know a little bit about what you think you're missing and the lies that you're believing. We gotta become a student of people. We gotta understand the lies. We gotta sit down in our community. We gotta sit down with people who have various struggles. This is why we try so hard to move away from age stage ministry, lest we only, lest we only know about the people who go through the same things we go through. Single people, you gotta minister to married people and married singles. And we, you, oh, hold on. Let me go back and get um, Thea because she knows about you. She a black lady, she know the struggle. N no. 
You got to be able to do whatever you got to do to keep the body moving forward. So you got to sit with more people and understand how the ungodly beliefs attach themselves. Let's go to soul spirit healing. This is more soul wounds. Somebody read that for us. Kind of synonymous to ungodly beliefs the way that I see it. But sometimes I think these soul wounds are things that, you know, ungodly beliefs can be codified, right? You linearly, you hear them. Hey, man, if somebody, vengeance is mine, you know, oh, that's an ungodly belief. I can clearly hear that. Sometimes you, you don't hear the soul wound. You just see the manifestation, the behavior, the anxiety, the restlessness, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the fear. And so you, you can know that anger, that bitterness is coming from a deep wound somewhere, which I always, Gina and I used to laugh, like I used to do this thing that, you know, I, you give me about 20 minutes with somebody and I could, you know, eventually get to the, the deep soul wound that they are trying to either avoid or, or kind of make, you know, I just keep pressing around, man, tell me about mom, my dad, where you go to college? Man, tell me about, yeah, what you want to do? Well, I never, I wanted to always be this, but it did, you know, you just take, take a little time. You start asking those questions. Eventually, you're going to get to the spot, those, those deep wounds, right? The mama wounds, the daddy wounds, right? That really start driving a person and start shaping their paradigm and their view on life and how they're moving forward, right? Um, so those will be those soul wounds that we have to be on the lookout for. Here's the thing. Here's what we know, though. Jesus, this is why our, our understanding of the gospel has got to get more expansive. Because Jesus Christ does not just want to forgive our sins. He wants to bind our broken hearts. And if that's not a part of your gospel, you are underselling the magnitude and the greatness of the gospel. Come on, man. Demonic oppression. <laughs> the scary one, right? <laughs> Somebody read that one for us. Demons are invisible spiritual entities with minds, emotions, and wills of their own in league with and under the control of Satan. They're out to do his bidding and become individual I know it's easy for me because I just grew up in that framework. It's just easy for me to believe that as that's an absolute fact. And I know it's just harder for some folks to believe that just because it's not where you kind of grew up. But I, I, I really would just say if you, somebody read 1 John 3, 8 for me. Google it. Put it in the googly moogly or the Bible. <laughs> How long? But from the beginning. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the reason the Son of God appeared.
spirit was to destroy the works of the devil. Will you read that last sentence one more time, Lathia? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. All right. I do believe this is, uh, you know, I would, a, a faithful biblical worldview has got to have an adversary. And the adversary is not just you. You are not the adversary. The adversary is the devil who's been at work from the beginning. And if your Jesus is not crushing the devil or defeating the works of the devil, then I don't know that you know your Jesus yet. That's why he came. To unwind the junk he did, right? And to eliminate the chaos that he is sowing. Brokenness is not some arbitrary thing that has just kind of flown from the laws of nature. It is originated, that discord has originated from somewhere and it's being propelled and fueled by someone. It is the devil, y'all. I think we gotta get way more comfortable tagging him with all the mess he doing. He done done it, that's all right, because Jesus came to destroy it. And so the, to me, the natural outworking of the devil being the primary adversary, it's just going to be, he's got his little minions, you know, um, he, they would be the, the counterpart to all the heavenly hosts and angelic beings, right? That do the, the bidding of the Lord Jesus, the ministering angels ministering to us. We don't know when we're in entertaining them, but they're guarding us and helping us watch us over us in our ways. And there is their counterpart, the minions of the devil. I love that uh, passage in Daniel where um, uh, Daniel, I think, had been praying and, uh, and they came. He's like, bro, we would have been here earlier, but we was we was kicking some demon booty and it took us a little while to get here. It was crazy. Go back. Read it tonight. It's a fun story. Um, but. The Bible is, is definitely putting this forward to you. It's never hidden this from you that we're part of this parallel universe and that there are things going on in the spiritual realm that um, are both for uh, those who trust in Jesus and both working against those who trust in God, right? And so it's just kind of what it is. Um, somebody read Acts 10 and 38 while we're reading. You must do it. For God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went out about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Yeah. So part of the ministry of Jesus is healing all those who've been oppressed by the devil. Right? What does that mean? All the people who needed their sins forgiven? No. This, the prince of darkness was at work destroying the harmony and Jesus was reversing what he was doing right um so uh if you are a marvel person and if you like sci-fi and action movies um then you'll love this portals and open doors and <laughs> all this super spiritual language but the you know demonic influence does not come from nowhere um, there's usually just opportunities where that demonic influence just kind of starts to rear its ugly head. Once again, it could be the sins of the environment, the father, or, or whatever your family of origin, as Emma just says, like, man, 
there there is a a little a presence that is kind of being passed down um and 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 uh i used to a lot of the men um and women you know used to say things often like this especially if they came from broken homes it's like man i'm gonna break that curse over my family i'm gonna be the last one that you know had adultery and was a product you know what i'm saying and they literally i've i've seen that you know i think even in my own lives and 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 whatever it's like man you know i had three four generations of adultery and that thing died and and another one started a different one and i've been very grateful for that um could be just sin period Sin doesn't just, it's, we got to stop treating sin like it is an isolated mistake. There are opportunities when we participate in sin for things to start creeping in. It's like, man, where did that thought come from? Man, where did that, where did that laziness and that disposition come from? It's like, yeah, it wasn't just I watched that. It wasn't just I said that. It, some t those things open the door uh, for the enemy to kind of put his old crazy foot in. And um, we got to be watching out. Emotional trauma. Go ahead. Go ahead, G. I was going to say, sometimes, too, the way I kind of think of this is um, when you're around someone enough, you pick up their tendencies. So, like, um, one of the things that I say now all the time is, oh, I'm so chicken. Why? Because I've been around teens for the past seven years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. If, if at least if you struggle with with demons and minions, at least you have to at least acknowledge that sin is a power. It, it is not something that can be managed. Sin comes in and tries to set up shop. And it always. Dang, how did I get to. Yeah, because you don't just go in there with sin. It's like, I'm only going to sin just a little bit. <laughs> sin is always just excess. Get you yoked in, my daddy would say. Keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. Takes you further than you wanted to go. And he has another cute saying that's really cool. All the alliteration. Go ahead. Emotional trauma could be a door for demonic influence. Um, not not maintaining your sobriety, not just being fully aware of your faculties, right? And and you something just sneaks in, and you're just like, man, man, where did that come from? And we just weren't sharp. Um, occults. Um, George, I know one of the um, one of the um, sections he did was on occults, and just I don't think 
other religions aren't just other ways of thinking. I think they have powerful demonic ideology attached to them as well, right? And could lead you down different and dark paths, right? And so those are things that we just have to be on the lookout for. Um, let's skip, let's just go to deliverance. Let me walk it really practical and then I'll finish up. I think best case scenario is we are putting on not our counseling hat, but our ministering hat. Best we can, I think one of the first steps I would do is just identify the need and assess the problem. Like what's going on? What's happening here, right? Um, if possible, um, I think especially to it, with our group who is very hesitant to spiritual mumbo jumbo, what you about to do, a seance and a, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just like, hey, you can just explain what you about to do. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like, hey, listen, we just want to see if there's any unrepentant sin going on. We just want to, hey, man, renounce things, lies that you could have been believing, and we want to speak God's truth on you. I want to remind you of everything that's been secured for you at Calvary, um, and I want to remind the devil that he's a defeated punk. That's all I want to do today, right? Um, and, you know, I think that helps them. We're discipling people as we do this so that when they have to go and they don't have a ministry time at Sunday at 6 o'clock to come up to that when they're home and the devil is really trying to kick they behind, they can go back, well, this is what Pastor Tim did over me. Well, I'm going to try to do it. Amen. Go for it. So, um, so identify the need, assess the problem, explain what you're about to do, and tell them to repeat it if they need to. Think first, just start. Do we got to confess some sin? We got anything unrepentant? Is there a portal that the enemy's been using to come through and just run roughshod over us and keep us anxious and keep us shameful and keep us afraid? Sometimes I've noticed I've been praying blindly. And I think one of those things I regret is like, man, I need to take more time. Hey, what, tell me what's going on. Hey, we got some unconfessed stuff that you need to just get off your chest. Pastor Tim, do not care. There's no judgment. But we want to make sure that the enemy's not trying to slip in here and keep us bound. And people wonder why there's no breakthrough. We got some unconfessed sin going on. You know what I mean? You both trying to extinguish the fire and you got gasoline in the other hand. It's like, come on. So what's really going on? We got some stuff that we need to confess. Um, we need to receive the grace of God and extend that. So it's like, man, we got unforgiveness happening somewhere. Um, do we need to receive, once again, do we need to beat up on shame? Do I need to sit there and look in your eyes and remind you of what Christ did for you and how he took those nails so that you would be free? And you don't need to condemn, uh, uh, condemn yourself, right? Um, listen for the ungodly beliefs and the lies, and we got to rebuke those. Um, how do you rebuke a lie? Sierra, I would say you tell the truth too. I would say first just start by calling it out. Yeah, I just, I just name that thing, whatever it is that you think they could be holding on to. You know, um, I'll never have worth unless I graduate from college. That's a lie and we rebuke it. I always just say that there's nothing scriptural like mandated about it. I just like to say it. I think I've heard it and I love to use it. I, I, I rebuke that and I send it back to the pit of hell where it belongs. I do. It's a lie. That junk is trash. And we rebuke that. And we do not receive that over ourselves. That's one of the first things we do is like, man, I think sometimes people think it's cold hearted, but you got to help them understand this is not about you. This, I'm not talking about you 
and your failure, but I don't receive that over your life. I'm just lonely and I'm gonna be lonely. I don't, that's a lie. I don't receive that over you and I rebuke it. Call it and rebuke it, right? And I say appropriate the blood of Jesus. This is why we do need to sit deeply in that expanded version of everything that Calvary has brought us so that we can just start laying it, right? That he has died so that we could have peace in him. He has died so that we could live in the forgiveness and the power of the spirit. And we got to start laying it. Boom, boom. Remind. That's what we do when we come to the communion. We're asking God to seal everything to our mind and conscience that has been won for us at Calvary. Right. Then we go here and we speak the truth. And I think, once again, as we learn more about each other, we we learn the scriptures and we learn the the things, the 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 promises that counteract the lies. You know what I'm saying? So we got to just stay in the word. That's one of the reasons why we train ourselves in the word, not just so we can, you know, get a word for the day. It's like, man, I got to train myself to rightly handle it so I can be ready when it's time. Oh, I got to boom. I got to I got to kick that to that. Right. Um, and then I do, man, we don't do it enough. We don't boast in the Lord enough and brag on him. And we also don't talk enough trash to the devil. We're not, we're actually not mad enough about him. As one of my favorite, most scariest, intense ministry moments ever. As I call, uh, this is my young days, never did it again because it's a little too risky, but I, <laughs> I had a balloon man together. I made a, a man of balloons and, uh, and I said, man, I was mentioning the boys um, and girls who come from broken homes. And, and um, I was like, man, if you, the devil, the devil, the devil, he sowed the discord that broke up that home. Once your mama fault, once your daddy fault, the devil sold that. So if you had an opportunity to get busy with the devil, what would you do with it? I think probably before I even dropped the mic, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, they were up, they had destroyed the balloon and broke a window. But they got the point. We just don't have that kind of ferocity, man. You know, part of that intercession is, man, seriously, that fervor that I, I hate, I, there is only one place that we could actually channel hate and righteous indignation. And that is that the one who is trying with everything within him to keep us from living in the peace and the abundance of God. I can hate him with everything within me. And I try my hardest to keep it worked up for him. Keep it a nice, good stoke fire for him. I hate you. <laughs> and I make I do. I make it my life's purpose to make sure my king is the glory. And you understand that even on the way to my grave, well, you're going to get your behind whoop. Just one laugh. I'm my dying breath. He going to get the last laugh. Deuces. I'll catch you on the other side. I hate the devil. And you can too. And if you actually felt like that's, he was the, the reason why there's so much turbulence in your world, I think it would lead us to pray more and to pray more fervently. It's like, yeah, I got to get on him. And the people we love and you know the tears that they're shedding is because he's feeding them lies. 
And the reason why they're living in so much discontentment is because he's built a framework for them and kind of oppressing them and trapping them. Oh, man, if you really felt like that, oh, you'd be driven more, more to prayer. I want my vision for our ministry, especially more times after service, is uh, kind of, I love out of Acts 5 and 15. Does somebody want to read that for us? I think I do have a vision for, for our ministry that I don't know, people would just be dropping in on us because I, we just heard y'all believe people can be delivered. We do. Would you pray? We will. Man, would to God that that would seriously be our reputation. Um, yeah, it was, um, we were, we were, um, celebrating kids at Treadwell who were getting ready to take the T-cap. One of the mamas fell out. One of the mamas passed out. And, uh, I just began to think, it's like, man, we think about the effects of the fall. And we, I think, especially when we look at certain communities, we start thinking about certain things but the fall has affected every aspect of of human life and um man i just tried to put myself back into ancient palestine what would jesus have done you know and i don't think he would just be like hey baby don't worry about it i can forgive your sins and just don't worry about it but I do think that Jesus most assuredly would have been there. And I think as representative of his authority and his power, um, he would have been praying for that lady. And she probably would have been seeking him out because the rep representation of the healer from Nazareth and Galilee was quite strong. <laughs>